from a bar mitzvah at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to a temple procession in Taipei. The people of our world are passionate about their beliefs. Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to Radio Taiwan International. I am your host this hour, Tomasz Koper. Up ahead this hour, we have Shirley Lin's Jukebox Republic, which will be a rerun this week as Shirley is still getting over COVID. But before we get to that, let's start our program with a bit of Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. Once again, I am Tomasz Koper and I am joined in the studio by my colleague and friend Idamar Waxman. Hello, everyone. Um, this is our daily, almost daily show in which we talk about news that don't make it to our very serious news bulletin. But today, breaking with that tradition, we will talk about some more of the more mm, grave things uh, happening in and around Taiwan. Uh, but we will also be talking about marriage expectations that are um, changing in Taiwan and being rejected by uh, young people here. Mm -hmm. uh, we will also be talking about quarantine requirements that uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, will change in the near future. Um, all of that and more coming up in here in Taiwan. Don't go away. All right, so let's uh, address the elephant in the room, the big Chinese elephant in the room and or in the water around Taipei <laughs> or Taiwan. And in the air. And in the air. The elephant is everywhere. Um, so as you might have heard, um, if you haven't been living under a rock uh, for the past week or month or the few, last few years, really, China is really being kind of provocative and aggressive against Taiwan. Uh, mm -hmm. They have started uh, military drills uh, that will last until Monday. They started on Wednesday as a response to Speaker, uh, U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan. Yes. Um, and this has understandably stirred um, different kind of feelings and sentiments around the world. The media is... Uh, usually just sort of hyping up the yeah. danger, the threat of Chinese invasion in Taiwan. And we've been getting a lot of messages, questions, phone calls from <laughs> concerned friends and family members. So we thought we could take this time and maybe answer some of the questions uh, yeah. that people might have. Give or people an on-the-ground look of yeah. what's going on. So you said you got a phone call from your grandma last night. Right? Yeah, so my uh, <clears throat> my grandparents who live in Israel, uh, my my grandma called me last night and was just like, Yidamar, are you okay? You know, I are there sirens? I hear they're shooting rockets at you. And it was just like, she was very scared and, and exasperated almost. And uh, yeah, I had to talk to her for like 10 minutes and to convince her, no, everything's okay. Life is going on here totally normally um all of the drills are happening off of the coast of taiwan like on the exterior of taiwan's territorial waters um the rockets are being shot like the closest they're getting is in taiwan's territorial waters but again not really close to the island itself and yeah there aren't 
PLA, you know, um, airplanes. Boats, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, for, I mean, forget the landing boats, but it's like <laughs> airplanes whooshing over Taipei, not happening. Like sirens because rockets are being fired at Taiwan, not happening. Um, yeah, I mean, so our day-to-day -day lives are basically the same. People, I have to say at this point, I think something that China maybe hasn't really thought about is that when you like threaten so much over and over again mm -hmm. for years and years and years, people are very numb to it here, right? And, and they, they just like, they don't take it that seriously anymore. They just say, you know, it's Lao Gong, Lao Gong again. Like, you know, mm -hmm. old China is once again just threatening us. So, yeah, it is it's, what it is. Uh, it's not the first time that China has threatened Taiwan. Yeah. Not the first time that China has militarily intimidated Taiwan or tried to at least. Yeah. Um, so we've seen it before. In my 11 years in Taiwan, I have seen it before. Um, it happens, I mean, the ADIS stuff, right. you know, like uh, Chinese uh, aircraft entering Taiwan's ADIS, which is meant to be a threat like mm -hmm. everyone knows it's meant to be a threat um that happens almost every day so people are very numb to it here and it doesn't really affect our daily lives that's right um another question i am getting is uh is there going to be a war uh how is that situation <laughs> going to develop um so um Despite what you might hear in Western media, um, we here and most people, I think, in Taiwan yeah. do not really expect Chinese landing craft to appear on the beaches no. tomorrow. No, no. Um, so it's that said, we shouldn't underestimate the threat of China. I mean, they have. No, been and this is an escalation yes. over what's happened. I mean, the Chinese did it like this on purpose so it can be understood as an escalation. Taiwan, as in the Taiwanese. Uh, government understands it as an escalation. Everyone understands it as an escalation, but it doesn't mean that an invasion is imminent. Right. right. Yeah. I think it's mostly meant to demonstrate to Taiwan, as in from the Chinese side, it's meant to demonstrate that we can blockade you if we want to. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's the point. Well, but uh, right now this is happening without major repercussions in the international community, whereas an actual bloca yeah. blockade would probably... Uh, yes, because, more of because a up to this point, you know, though there have been some uh, shipping and air routes that have been changed due to the exercises that the Chinese are doing right now, the grand, grand, grand majority of commerce has been unchanged, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, there is, it's just high threats. Um, people around the world are saying that this shouldn't happen. And but it's it doesn't look like an invasion is coming. I, for sure, the authorities and the military here do not believe an invasion is imminent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's been my impression as yeah. well. Um, another question I got uh, from someone just this morning is um, how many people in Taiwan actually want to be a part of China? How is many that... people want like unification? Yes. It's not a. It's not I don't a, know. Right? Like a few tens of thousands. Yeah, I, I. I think when they ask it, I think the best stat to give to you is when they do the NCCU um, studies every year, mm -hmm. asking about identity. Um, like I think in the last one that came out for this year, 2022, I believe something around 2.8 percent of people living in Taiwan um, identified as Chinese. So that's as basically exclusively as exclusively as in they didn't identify as Taiwanese and Chinese. They didn't identify as Taiwanese. 
they said, I am Chinese, right? So it's like, I believe this is the only base of support for unification, unification, sorry, right now. Mm -hmm. uh, well, that study, which is the Center for Election Study, if yeah, I remember ad, ad, correctly, ad, yeah. um, actually comes out every three months. Uh, they do. Uh, a, I think this one is every year. Every I think year. There, okay. are there are different studies I'm that they do. I'm thinking of a different There's, study. Yeah. Um, well, in any case, based on um, the one conducted by the, the Center for uh, uh, Election Research, uh, the amount of people, the percentage of people who identify exclusively as Taiwanese and in no way Chinese has mm -hmm. steadily grown, reaching 60 to 70 percent. I believe or, it's 66 percent right, right now. Um, or it went up from like 60% to and 70, then fell slightly. From uh, 2008, basically yeah. 2008 was the first time it passed 50%, and then today it has reached 66%. Right. Yeah. So uh, the general to, upwards, I mean, there's been some up and down at one point, but generally an upwards trend. So yeah, just to uh, answer that question, as in how many people in Ta how do people in Taiwan feel about China? Do they want to be a part of China? Um, the short answer is no. The long answer is no. Yeah. Not now. Yeah. Um, Definitely not at this moment. <laughs> no. Uh, any other questions that you got that we should maybe get out there and, and point people in the right direction um, when it comes to what is happening in Taiwan right now? I guess the only other thing I would say is that I don't believe the Chinese, I don't believe the Chinese think it's in their interest to carry out an invasion of Taiwan at the mm -hmm. moment either. And I think people should keep that in mind too. Um, so I think the likelihood of invasion is is very, very low. Um, I also think that a lot of media in in Western countries yeah. uh, have been pretty sensationalizing, sensationalizing this thing, have been pretty alarmist about yeah. this. And I wonder how much of that is an overreaction to how they kind of dropped the ball on Ukraine and yeah. downplayed the threat of uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. And mm -hmm. then when it actually happened, the media were like, okay, we're not going to make that mistake again. Yeah. So, yeah. So now well, I, I, But I think it, there's a long history over the last, oh, I mean, well, decades <laughs> of uh, people around the world misunderstanding the situation in Taiwan. And in a way, I understand it because it's complicated in a way that is just really really strange i think for mm -hmm. most people um but i remember once i saw an article in the times of israel and it was it basically said that you know china is flying talking about aids violations it's flying jets over taiwan mm. and i i sent them an email saying this isn't true right mm -hmm. that that's not actually happening and i never got a response and uh it's really unfortunate because it's this kind of you know I don't want to call it disinformation, but it's misinformation, yeah. basically. It's misunderstanding of Taiwan yeah. and, and, and the situation. And, no, and uh, I think that there's also, like you said earlier, an inherent desire, I think, to sensationalize a little bit the situation, um, to make it seem like it is worse than it is, because that gets people really watching. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I think we work in media. We can understand where that that feeling comes from. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and and that's why my, my grandparents are in, in Israel, you know, really far away from Taiwan. They're watching the evening news and like they're seeing things about rockets and stuff and they're just imagining, oh my gosh, you know, what what is our grandson living through? Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, if we are to leave you with one thing is, uh, at least for me, that would be listen to Taiwanese voices. Um, don't maybe focus exclusively on what uh, your local media in your country is telling you. Um, and I'm not even trying to advertise our own 
news services, although do check us out. Um, but uh, Taiwanese outlets, there are Taiwanese outlets that write in English. Uh, go check them out. Uh, yeah. Then you will get a, a better picture of how uh, the people here feel about the entire situation. Yeah. Um, and with that, let's move on to our second story. Um, all right. Before we uh, get to that, uh, we are getting a few comments. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, Kondar uh, Rafikul Islam, uh, who says, uh, I like your English program so much. Uh, all my club members also like your daily radio program. Eagerly waiting when I get a monitor card uh, for, you, the, for the year 2023. Uh, it's very we'll, sweet. We'll pass that along. Um, yeah. We are thank not you. Uh, the ones responsible for that. But um, yeah, thank you for the kind words. Yeah. Um, we also get uh, are getting greetings from Veracruz, Mexico, from Rafael Grajeda. Um, Liu Wei is saying China is angry. Um, don't uh, take China seriously. But then says China's missiles can cover the entire Taiwan island. China's strength can be equal to that of the United States. China can say no to the United States. Um, I guess we're getting uh, someone who is uh, firmly on the Chinese side. There is only one China in the United Nations. There is one China in the world. It is inappropriate to compare Russia and Ukraine. Full agreement. There is one China, but it's not here. Um, the anachronism that is the name of uh, uh, the country that we live in, which is the Republic of China, that's a historical art artifact, I would call it. Um, so uh, th this... This is a quick comment. I really think it's it's just kind of like a bad faith argument when people it are is like, a bad well how can you say argument. taiwan doesn't exist it's called the republic of china it's like just just like read a book yeah um so thank you for your comments um and uh, we'll we'll take them under consideration um we have uh nasir z selling saying assalamu alaikum uh alaikum salam yes. to you um and who says no need to worry some of your reports are often wrong and uh, they do not know the realities on the ground um that yeah. is very true. However, moving on to our next story, um, Taiwan has been dealing with low birth rates yeah. for as long as I can remember. Since I came to Taiwan, it's been the same. It's been, uh, either the lowest birth rate in the world or the second, third lowest, uh, and things aren't really improving. Um, and that might be uh, connected to the fact that most young Taiwanese people don't really think about marriage the same way their parents did. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yeah, so uh, there's a new study that came out from the Child Care Policy Alliance, and they were basically looking at people's opinions and attitudes towards marriage today. And they found that most people today reject what they call traditional views of marriage, right? Um, and that these traditional views uh, and the pressure to um, apply them to your own life is causing is lowering people's willingness to actually get married. So the poll introduced seven statements, right? It talked about uh, dowries, um, if they if couples should be con consider buying a home after getting married, which is classic here. Well, that's a big thing. That's right? huge, yeah. If parents should be in charge of weddings, um, equal ceremony, which is for those who don't know, my my girlfriend is all about this. <laughs> like, sorry, I I'm not like an expert in this. I'm sorry. For my understanding is that like traditional Taoist marriages are like very and I, I mean this in, in like an analytical way, they're patriarchal, as in like they're centered around the male and like the male lineage, basically. Mm -hmm. So that's what it's talking about. Um, 
and cohabitation is acceptable so living together before marriage husband and wife should both work right this is a big one and couples should share child rearing housework duties that's huge so it asked people about this and it found that 92.6 percent of respondents agreed that parents should not be in charge of the wedding and 70 70 percent said there should be no dowries while also 96.3 percent said husbands and wives should share child rearing and housework duties while 69.2 percent agreed that cohabitation is responsible so these are huge numbers yeah and um i i think one of the things that relating it to a birth rate one of the really interesting stats that is in this article is that um so among the 38 members of the oecd which is like a you could people describe it as a club of generally rich countries <laughs> that's what the economist says mm-hmm. um it basically uh the average percentage of couples who have children without being married is 41 percent, right so this is a common trend around the world that people are increasingly having children as couples without getting married right so they're rejecting the institution of marriage and starting a family basically i was surprised when i first heard that number 41 percent in the u.s it's higher for example oh yeah yeah i mean in the u.s at this point it's very common that people and and the the stigma around it of being you know single mother and things like this like it's it's just more acceptable now that Mm -hmm. you two people can have a child together and like they can be a couple without being married or they could also break up and have a child together and raise it together Mm -hmm. and like i think these are just different forms of families that are being developed over time especially as our society changes as you know the the real kind of like conditions of our society changes Mm -hmm. and so 41 percent remember that number well in taiwan and other east asian countries it's only two percent so we can imagine the point of this that the article says is that i'm sure there are lots of people here in taiwan young people that want to have children but they feel like they can't because the society expects that they will get married first. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to get married because it's hard to get the dowry. It's hard to get an apartment, get an, get a, a place today. Mm-hmm. Where in Taiwan, you know, who has that kind of money? That is a very important part of yeah. in traditional thinking about family. Uh, if you want to get married, if you want to start a family, you can't be renting a house. You need no. to buy property. Also, a lot of times they expect the man will have a car. Mm-hmm. This is I actually know people who like they couldn't get married because the guy didn't have a house or a car <laughs> oh, wow. he doesn't have a car like it's just yeah so it, the point of this study and the peep and the organization that did it is they're basically saying that if taiwan wants to create an environment where people feel more comfortable having children they need to change perceptions about family and that there needs to be real policy behind that as well mm-hmm. um, um i don't know about your friends but among my friends those perceptions are changing somewhat yeah. uh albeit slowly but it uh, doesn't mean that their parents aren't no. pressuring them about it uh, that's I true think people yeah. our age in taiwan they don't feel these things are they don't think a person needs to get a house after they get married you know mm, they do still believe that it helps if well you have a house. it helped mm-hmm. well of, well of course it helps yeah. right if you want to start a family it helps when you own the place that you live in right but at the same time, it's just people, there needs, there should be changes in society where if you have found someone that you love or someone that you feel like would be a good partner and you want to have children with them and start a family, you, you should feel comfortable and have support to be able to do that. 
outside of the traditional institution mm-hmm. of marriage. I think that's what's being said, basically. Uh, Nasir Aziz uh, has a comment here. Uh, in the subcontinent, uh, the Indian subcontinent. Yeah, in Asia, yes. Um, Oh, sorry. I got another comment and it scrolled down. Uh, big families live together and in majority of cases, only men work while women remain at home to look after the children and other family members. Um, and this was the case in many uh, East Asian, Southeast Asian countries as well until those countries became more affluent. Uh, this is happening in China, for example, yeah. right now, where people, at least in some areas, are uh, get earning more money yeah. and having less children. But I think another part of it, too, is that in um i know this is like a it this is a term that's problematic in some ways in traditional societies right like the one that our commenter described social networks exist to basically create an environment where only one part of the couple can go out and work where it's i guess he said that it's usually men but there are actually many societies where women are the primary ones who work as well and um, Taiwan, we don't have that same kind of like traditional family structure it's in place anymore. As in, families are still important, but multi-generational families living together, it doesn't it almost doesn't exist anymore. Only in in very in like very rural and traditional and mm-hmm. also I have to say, you know, poor areas. It is increasingly rare. And yeah. I think as uh, societies and be it here in Taiwan or the Indian subcontinent, um, you know, India, Pakistan, uh, as those countries become more affluent, as there's uh, the middle class grows, people are lifted out of poverty, uh, the same yeah. things will happen. I mean, you see it already in India. Yeah, yeah, For yeah. example, in Kerala, you only have a fertility rate of about two. And yet if you go up to Uttar Pradesh, it's, you know, over seven. So mm-hmm. it's like you have huge regional differences. And a lot of that has to do with the different social structures of those places and the different kind of economies they have. In Taiwan, I think the biggest factor is that uh, raising a child is very expensive. Extremely. Extremely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is uh, even after we consider accommodation, property, and yeah. all those factors. Education is expensive. Yeah. Um, not only the public education that is more or less free. No, the other one too is a, but someone also, has to work less. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Someone's got to take care of the take kid. Take care of the kid, yeah. yeah. And I will say that even to this day, I think one of the things that even if people, young people might like, they might understand, I think... This whole like sharing housework between both um, like parts of the of the married couple, I think even that like it's still assumed that the woman will do the housework mm-hmm. here, and and that's not just a Taiwan thing. I think it's still like that in the United States. I think it's still like that in most countries in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't want to generalize, but I I have heard this complaint from many working women. Yeah, they uh, yeah. after a long shift at work, they are expected to go home, yeah. cook dinner. Do laundry, take care it's of craziness. Kids, uh, while the husband is like, just comes home and he's just tired after work and it's just, just going to chill out in front yeah. of the TV. Uh, who, yeah. who would want to have a child and and have to deal with that? Right? It sounds mm-hmm. like a extremely exhausting and frustrating life. It it does, yeah. So yeah. I can't blame women for not wanting to get into that arrangement. Yeah, um, and and you know, looking to live their lives in different ways, um, yeah. focusing on their careers, for example. Or just, uh, you know, being married but not having kids. Um, kind yeah. of like uh, what uh, I, me and my wife do. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, that will slowly 
get us towards the end of our show, uh, since we are running out of time. Lightning round. What is required for CECC to lift uh, quarantine right. requirements? Well, quarantine isn't going away just yet. The CECC today said that before they remove quarantine, first, they're going to have to remove uh, non-nationals getting PCR tests before boarding a flight. And also the rule of quarantining in one person per residence. They want to change it to one person per room. What are the details of that? Well, I know it's a little unclear. In my interpretation, they're basically just saying it's not going away anytime soon. Mm -hmm. um, and now no one can say that we didn't get through three stories yeah. in today's show. Um, for here <laughs> in Taiwan, I've been Tomas Koper. And I'm Inamar Waxman. Uh, we'll see you again next week. Stick around for more RTI content and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.